Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we've seen a few Lauren Hardy films today. That's right. Um, so there's a Birmingham Laurel and Hardy Society that apparently every year, this is the first we've gone to, shows a few Laurel and Hardy movies yes. at uh, the Mac. So they showed a couple of shorts today, which were Twice Two mm-hmm. and County Hospital from 1933 and 32, respectively. And then they showed a feature, uh, 1937's Way Out West. Mm. Um, I had not really seen Lauren Hardy before. I'd, I'm obviously familiar with the people, and I'd seen bits and pieces, and I was familiar with, you know, Oliver Hardy looks to camera, Stan mm. Laurel sort of d- scratches his head in that way, mm. that sort of thing. Um, so very familiar with the sort of personas. Mm. Um, but hadn't seen, I'd never seen even one of their shorts, mm. really, all the way through. Um, your familiarity with Lauren Hardy? I grew up with them. We used to go to this church that showed them uh, uh, in the basement. The parents would go off and do things. It was, it was a social thing, you know, that was run from the church. And, the, you know, the parents would go off and do something and they would show us silent Lauren Hardy films. Um, so I just kind of grew up with them. I get them all muddled in my head. I couldn't tell you which one was which, uh, but I love them. When you say they showed you silent ones, did they include sound ones with the, just the sound off? So they wouldn't disturb To be honest, I don't know, right? I mean, I I actually don't know because, you know, this is when you were like seven, eight or Mm. something. So what they showed, all I remember is uh, that, um, you know, there was no dialogue, which is why they were showing them to us because, uh, A, they were probably very cheap, you know, uh, I I don't know, they might even have been in Super 8 or something. Uh, But, you know, we went to a Spanish church social club so, uh, and this was in Montreal, so I think the being silent or the turning the sound off, you know, would have been a convenience, but I couldn't tell you whether they yeah. were silent ones or whether they had turned the sound off. Um, well, one thing I can tell you from from these three that we saw today is I can imagine them playing extremely well with the sound off, um, because a lot of the jokes are enormously visual. Um, there's There's actually not so much which is based on dialogue. Ah, but there's a lot that is based on sound, and that's an important distinction. True. So... Yeah, um, but still very slapstick a lot of it and actually I was surprised at how much of it was throwaway because my familiarity with comedy of that era or maybe just prior is things like Charlie Chaplin and Buster mm. Keaton I'm much more familiar with them and um, something that I'm very used to with uh, them even in the shorts rather than the features is um, the length of time a joke sustains mm. so so Chaplin Keaton will set up a situation and they'll get as much as they can out of a prop or something mm. whereas here things are really just throwaway gags for instance in the first one twice two when um, Laurel rips Hardy's trousers and then he ties them up to his sort of jacket in a funny way you kind of think that might come back later the fact that his trousers are not staying up properly mm. but they don't it yeah. is just there for that minute for that second but that might be a difference also between the well they're all short but you know the twenty-minute shorts, as opposed to the one-hour-long, more feature type film, yeah. because there there are a lot of recurring gags. There is there is a there is bigger structure to yeah. what's going on in there. But but I mean, thinking back to the Chaplin that we watched uh, at um, the uh, the cathedral, you know, those were sort of twenty-minute shorts, and those had more structure to to mm. the you know they eked they eked more out of their situations. Well, maybe they just didn't have as good enough good material like these guys do. <laughs> well, you know. Um, <laughs> Maybe, but but uh, th- that was that was I suppose a kind of a disappointment. Like it, the jokes t- t- felt less um, 
they felt more more throwaway. And um, but I loved it. I mean, you know, and actually, I'm not sure about that because. You know, they would do one thing and then they would build and then they would build and then they would repeat part of it or then they would surprise you. Uh, and what seemed miraculous to me today was um, we were shown very bad versions. They were shown in the wrong ratio. The projection system was really crappy. You know, we would have done better by watching them. I mean, I have a full box set hmm. of all their works, uh, I think, of the collected works. We would have, you know, done better in many ways by just watching it at home. Except we wouldn't have had this experience of watching it with this audience. And it was there was something really magical about seeing, like, four-year-old kids laughing at the same time as 90-year-olds. Mm. You know, and kind of... So all of these things work, you know. Oh, yeah, still. they still work. So... Um, but I, well, I do think they don't... They don't uh, I feel like there are longers in kind of the midst of these films between jokes where you kind of go... Sometimes the energy level actually feels quite low uh, in them. Uh, yeah, um, I, didn't, I must say, I didn't find that. Um, I, I loved the pacing of them. I loved in Way Out West, was it? Way Out West is the feature, yeah. Yeah, the musical elements. You know, I loved the moments where they just dance. I mean, actually, there was a moment where they danced... And, and the audience applauded in mm. one of the shorts. Uh, and then kind of what I also loved is seeing where some of your favorite gags of later films, some of my favorite gags, uh, uh, originate. So, you know, one of, my, one of the, uh, you know, when I was growing up, Foul Play came out and there's a whole extended sequence where uh, they get the wrong guy, this dwarf, and the dwarf, ends up in the hospital like this in a cast and so on, you know, and they go bring him flowers and, you know, instead of kind of making his life better, they kind of mm. wreck him and he ends up falling out the window and so on. And you could say, oh my God, you know, this bit that I love so much in this like 1970s film, this is where it comes from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> County Hospital. County Hospital. <laughs> which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and actually it made me go, ooh, at one point, when, which was not a reaction I was expecting to give to any film, where... Um, uh, the, the doctor's out the window and the the rope snaps mm. and, he, and he just catches yes, just holds yeah. on by his fingers like, whoa, whoa. and I went ooh that was such a great yeah. gag which is which, I mean <laughs> fantastic but that wasn't even a gag at that point it was like legitimately scary mm. <laughs> but uh, the whole section was a great gag and they have great rhythm which actually you know uh, I'm not too sure how to describe it without pointing to it you know, but those scenes where they're going up and down and up and down in County Hospital, right, uh, which is, involves repetitions and so on, and a lot of the, uh, the joke, whether it's funny or not, just comes out of the way they rhyme it, yeah? Or the, the, you know, the pacing of the going up and the going down and the getting up close to the window but not quite reaching and, you know. Uh, and also, actually, visual things, like the fact that, you know, they're both fat, well, the Doctor and Hardy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and and the type of fatness that it is, you know. Like, uh, yeah, the, the shapes that the bodies make. I mean, I think I think it's it's wonderful. And well, Laurel and Hardy are a classic, you know, kind of thing guy, fat guy. Yeah. Pairing. And yes. they kind of... Um, I, I suppose they never really point to it or, or make jokes about that, but just they... I, I don't know how to describe it. They just make sense yeah, as a pairing. Yeah, yeah, um, they look right, and actually, uh, there's something. I mean, you know, uh, the looks at the camera, 
you know, the way that they move together, you know, that dance that they did was just so lovely. I mean, actually, the whole audience burst into applause, right? Yeah. You know, so, so I think what you were getting at earlier, or, you know, one of the reasons why maybe these films, which continue to live, I mean, my God, this fan club, you know, they're putting out uh, uh, programs every month that are attended by 130, 150 people, they said, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an audience for them in crappy conditions. Um <laughs> You know, so so, but maybe the reason why. Well, they, we, well, to be fair, I don't think they show them every month at the Mac. No, no, in, not at the in Mac. the uh, in the um, what was it? The Hexagon, which is not a cinema; it's a theater, and it's yeah. not the place to see a film. But. No, um, you know. So don't get me wrong; we're very, very grateful that they were they showed them, and you know, there's this thing going on in Birmingham. But anyway, there is an audience for them. They're still uh, famous, but you know, they're not on the level of Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. And partly, I think, it's basically because, you know, the films are cheaper. I mean, I think they themselves are absolutely fantastic, you know, but you can see that the films are kind of cheaply made, right? And I think the level of craft is not as high mm. in almost every sense mm. um, in, in terms of the kind of the production quality and obviously money has a huge effect on that, but also in terms of the timing of the editing and things like that. Mm. It relies much more on their performance than it does on, uh, you know... The way the, the way the films are made, sort of incorporating them. Well, I think their performance is so indistinguishable from the sight gags, you know, because actually it's got fantastic sight gags, mm. you know, and bits that look like animation and, you know, tricks. Yeah, like, the, you know, the bit where uh, um, Oliver's head is stuck in... Oh, in the ground. In the ground, in, and then, yeah. he, you know, I mean, that's a bit of animation, you know. Yes, the, yeah. The neck... You know, well, it struck me that there's, there's... I don't know if I used the word cartoony earlier already, but if I haven't, I'm going to use it now. Mm. Something very cartoony about them in the sense that there is um, there is a, a playing with the physical world and a bending of the rules that is not something I really recognise in those other comedians that I mentioned. Mm. It's not something I recognise in Chaplin, Keaton or anyone else because... So you have things like Oliver Hardy's head being... His neck being stretched as Stan stretches him out of the ground. You have... Um, Stan's toe sticking through hit the bottom of his shoe, and Oliver Hardy pulls it, mm. and it and it stretches. It, it turns to a rubber prop at that point. You know, you've got the thing about flicking the finger and it turning into flame, mm. which is something the film actually it, it highlights to the audience because then you have Oliver trying to do it himself, and he can't. Mm. Um, uh, at the end of uh, County Hospital, I think it was one of the, it was one of the first two. They're driving. Yeah, it's County Hospital because they're driving. Yes. And then the car is bent by 90 degrees and they're yes. driving in circles. Like, that is something that you'd see in Looney Tunes yes. or Hanna-Barbera. Yes, that, yes. The, All these things are from that. You yeah, know, or not yeah. from that. I mean, well, actually... Preceded. You know, yeah. Kind you know, they may have well have inspired Looney Tunes, it. yes. Absolutely. Probably got it from here. Absolutely. <laughs> but the point is, like, they absolutely inspire... And actually, and I think the looks to camera and things like that as well. I mean, to the point where um, some of those... I mean, some of those, actually, some of those looks to camera became kind of... Uh, irritating for him because they really don't like they, they don't let it lie they do it so much it's not the odd time all the time Ollie's doing it and he's constantly trying yes. to have this conversation with the audience like but it's always very well I'm in. time though not yeah. always well I, th- I think they actually they um they don't let it lie sometimes no I, I loved it um you felt there was a real sense of communication with the audience and that it was building and you know that it wasn't just when they couldn't think of anything better to do uh, you know, it was kind of like part of the act. I liked it very much. 
I think they're doing too much. Maybe it's a taste thing. I, I do something, you know. But what I really like, here's something I absolutely love, is my favourite thing about Stan is how um, he will decide to live with his own confusion mm. at the world. So at the start of County Hospital, he's going to see Ollie, who's in hospital, he's in traction. And he says, oh, I'm looking for Oliver Hardy. And the person, the receptionist says, he's in room 14 next to the solarium. And he wants to ask what that means or what, you know. But, and like he, and you can see him processing it, going, uh, uh, do I? And then deciding just to not ask, you know. And then he's wandering down the hall, he goes to the wrong room. And someone else says the same thing. And again, he's like trying to ask and he decides, I'll just live with this. And every time he decides, I'll just live with not Some disaster happens. Not well. There's no this disaster. It's, it just makes me laugh. No, just makes me laugh every time he goes. I'm just not going to bother asking questions. Mm. <laughs> and I, I and it's it's only really it's not subtle because it's who he is, but it's it's kind of it's all in his performance mm. and his timing yes. and the way that he it's it's all in his face. Yes. You know, kind of kind of his movement. You you can tell exactly what he's thinking as his as his face changes from. I will ask. I won't ask. I will ask. I won't ask. This is confusing. I'll live with it. Mm. I love that about him. There were so many. I mean, I laughed throughout, and there were so many different types of gags, right? So actually, you know, you think this should be like contemporary comedy directors should watch these films more, really, because. You know, um, so for example, when they did the cross-dressing bit, right, they got laughed, laughed from so many different things, right, from the tone of voice, from the contrast between the tone of voice, right, from the different things that everyone was wearing, right, from the gags that they'd set up, you know, from the way that kind of, you know, they were singing, right, like, mm. I mean, just kind of so many different variations of those things, really. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I wasn't that mad about the cross-dressing one, to be honest. I loved it. And it wasn't because it was cross-dressing. <laughs> it was just because of that brilliance of, you know, kind of a, a, a play on your expectations. So one is a flapper and speaks with a very high voice, you know, kind of. I mean, I love just the outfit of that Oliver Hardy was wearing, mm. you know, that white satin thing with a tiara. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was like, really? <laughs> and he was so at ease with it, right? Yeah. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. That was, I think that was the worst of the, of the three films. Um, it was still great, though. It was all right. Um, I've seen better. Well, <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, County Hospital was great because it got so mad. I mean, this is another thing I would say in the uh, in to, to use that word cartoonish again or cartoony. Um, uh, there's a real anarchy to some of it, you know. So even though in in you know those other comedians, um, things would go crazy and disasters would happen. It's not on the scale of this, I think. Like or not 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 in the. Um, there's a real sense of. I don't know how to put it like. They get into a place and things just start going wrong and don't stop going wrong and fights start to happen and it gets very very mad to the and then they end up kind of throwing a mule downstairs. Yes. All of those nineteen forties cartoons, you can see how much they borrowed the piano sequence where the keys are mm. hitting their faces. I'm sure I've seen that in Daffy Duck cartoons and yeah. Bugs Bunny cartoons and. You know, and this predates it, right? Mm. This is what the film is nineteen thirty seven or something. This one's yeah, the yeah. So so you know those those cartoons didn't come out until later. So so it it obviously originates here, 
um, you know, kind of the way that things fall, the donkey going up, you know, on the roof. I mean, it, it is very much like yeah, you know, things that you imagine happening uh, in cartoons. Um, but it's not just the cartoony bits, you know, that I find interesting. I mean, I do think, so for example, the musical numbers, right? Just to play on the voices is meant to be funny. Mm. You know, the way that some go high and some go low, right? Like, you know... Uh, but that itself incorporates a cartoony element where he goes very, very low, Stan, mm. and Ollie gets a huge mallet, a cartoon-like mallet, mm. and smacks him in the head, yes. and then he goes high. He goes and, of course, brand. violence has no influence on anyone in this film. You just mm. smack someone in the head. Everyone gets hit in the head with plates and pans and Christ mm. knows what, and they just, you know, mm. Stan especially, just kind of waves it off. Yes. Um, it was wonderful to see it with an audience. I think one should always see comedy with with someone else and you know hopefully more more than just one other person hmm. uh, it changes the atmosphere completely and there was actually something I don't know it was like life affirming or something like you know seeing like the kids really get it and they were all so young and you know these films are almost a hundred years old right so yeah kind hmm. of for five-year-olds to be reacting in the same way as 90 year olds about films that are themselves 90 year olds yeah hmm. I think it's really quite amazing. Very few films would do that. No, well, that's why they last. I must say, I think my favourite jokes, the ones I laughed the most at, at least, were um, verbal ones, though. Weirdly, which I don't, which I think is not. It's not what they do the most. You know, I think what they do the most is visual and slapstick mm. and that sort of thing. But there was one that really, I think, only I laughed at in the room, but I laughed really loud, yeah. <laughs> which was when um, it's in Way Out West. So the idea of Way Out West is they go. To, it's it's set in the Wild West, and they go to this, this sort of one horse town. And they have to deliver this deed to a gold mine to this woman, Mary Roberts. And then someone else gets in on it, realises they can steal this, make a few quid, um, and pretend that they're Mary Roberts. And then they realise, and they go back up to confront this woman. Hmm. And um, and Stan, you know, being the dumb one, takes a while to work it out. But then he kind of pulls sort of Ollie over and goes, I think we gave the deed to the wrong woman. And you're like, everyone gets it. They go upstairs and... Despite being completely in charge of all the information now, and he's, he understands what's wrong, and they need to get this deed back, Stan confronts this woman, and he says, we want to know why you're not Mary Roberts. <laughs> he's like, you, you, oh, he's got it. Oh, no, he's completely, he asked completely the wrong question, got the wrong in the stick. No one else laughed at that, but I thought that was great. There are moments that are in these films that are surreal, mm. you know, um, kind of, you know, several. That It has its own logic, but it's almost like a dream logic. It's a logic... You know that kind of makes well makes sense in the real world, but doesn't exist in it. <laughs> um, sure. Well, you know, kind of um, the thing with the eating of the egg, right? <laughs> you know, the thing with the eating of the hat, the way that um, they go into the piano and then the guy goes to shut it and then they fall from the At piano, the bottom, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so yeah, there, this it there, there's quite a lot of like surreal elements. The the laughing tickling. Yeah. You know, thing. Um, so, yeah, I kind of... I, I The donkey on the roof. One actually was uh, uh, when Ollie's being winched up yeah. and then he drops him and he creates a crater when he lands. Yes. They don't, really point, yes. they don't yes. really point it out. It's just that at one point Stan walks <laughs> into it and he's lower. Yeah. And that's the first time you notice there's a crater. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Like, was it was funny. a very obvious cartoony joke. Yeah. But then told to you in a subtle way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh Yes, I kind of... Uh, um, that was lovely. Yeah. Or the crossing the river and falling in yeah. the, you know... And sometimes he floats and, yeah, so there are kind of, like, variations, really. 
but that's repeated three times and it works each time. Yeah. You know, well, you know it's coming by the third time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you do know it's coming. It's coming. And it comes. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that was that was excellent. It was nice to see. It's not, it's, um, they're none too subtle, I would say. Um, uh, I don't know. I think there are moments of subtlety. So, I mean, I think there are all these jokes. But the thing that struck me was um, Oliver Hardy's elegance. So he's very fat, you know, but he moves with great elegance, mm. right? Uh, and he's very at ease with his body, just, you know, in the way that he moves. Uh, and also the way that he uses his fingers. It's just very elegant. Um, and then, the you know, and there's a kind of a little cloud of melancholy that surrounds Stan Laurel, <laughs> you know. And, you know, so, so actually that kind of makes for, you know, an interesting tension between them. And also the, uh, with Stan Laurel, his face is always transparent. You always know what, you, what he's thinking, mm. you know, which is kind of lovely. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is more uh, subtle as opposed to uh, Ollie's um, interminable looks to camera. Mm. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, they're obviously uh, wonderful together. But I think there is also an element, interestingly, um, of um, familiarity that you're supposed to have with them. So, for, so they're not playing characters, for instance. Um, they are playing Stan and Ollie. Yeah, they're playing a character. Yeah, um, and and they might be, you know, so at the start of uh, uh, Twice 2, it, you're introduced with a door sign that says Dr. Uh, Oliver Hardy, MD, brain surgeon. Mm. You know, But it's Oliver Hardy, mm. you know. It's not it's not Dr. John Smith, and then he's Oliver Hardy in the credits. Yeah. So they are Ollie and Stan, Stan and Ollie. Um, and, and I suppose you're kind of... I suppose you're kind of supposed to have a relationship with them outside of, outside of the stories that they're telling. Yes. In a way, like like at the end of of the, the uh, feature Way Out West, mm. uh, when they discover that the woman is from the south, and Ollie says, "I'm from the south as well," which he was. Yes. You know, to be fair. Um, oh, that was a great. Stan then trip. says, "I'm from the south as well," and he goes south of where? And he goes south of London. <laughs> to be fair, he wasn't from London, uh-huh. but he was English. Um, so I think there's a kind of thing there where you, you know, the joke is funny, but also you bring your understanding of the real people mm. to the film which are you know so so it's not like they're playing the tramp mm. where it's a genuine different sort of creation they are playing themselves and you know that they're themselves and they use their real names it's kind of interesting yeah um by the time that um the audience uh, sees them in this these films from the early 1930s you know, kind of, they've been familiar, the audience would have been familiar with them already for like, I don't know, 10 years or something. Mm. And this is what I'm trying to find out when their first film together was. Um, so, uh, 1921. Yeah. Yeah. The first pair, film pairing of the two was The Lucky Dog in 1921. So, uh, that's when they worked together as cast members, it says, but it's, um, it talks about them officially becoming a team in 1927. Ah, yeah. They were not a comedy team at that time, and it was not until twenty six that they appeared in a short movie together. Ah, right. And then okay. in putting pants on Philip, uh, which was a silent short in twenty seven, that's when they became a proper pair. Okay, but it, be that as it may, by nineteen thirty two, the audience mm. would have been, yeah, you yeah. know, kind of very familiar with them. Um, and then, oh, I also love Babes in Toyland. Uh, 
And then they lasted um, until the 50s, really, yeah. Yeah. So, you know who's actually more comparable to him that just occurred to me is the Marx Brothers, um, who are also more... No, of the, they're well, not comparable. Well, I was in a certain way, in that they, they tended to have fewer gags that were stretched out. They did. I mean, they had, like, the mirror scene in uh, Duck Soup, was it, for instance. But they, but much more of their stuff was very, very quick fire but, in the way that these are. Well, but their stuff was almost all verbal, yeah, really. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, I think it's, it's, I see it's No, no, I mean, they're not, they're, they're not comparable in certain senses, but in the sense of the, the, the length of gags that I don't think, mm. you know. Anyway, you know, it's amazing, well, the Marx Brothers still live, mm. you know, and Buster Keaton still lives, uh, and, and by that I don't mean just, you know, some few film buffs somewhere are still appreciating their films, I mean, you know, they actually have a currency in the culture still. I was very surprised when I went to Buenos Aires uh, in the summer, you know, and you you're seeing film stuff and it's still Laurel and Hardy and Charlie Chaplin mm. you know and and so on right kind of they are worldwide figures they're recognized everywhere I mean the same actually when you know a few years ago when we went to Istanbul and you know kind of you're looking through the market and instead of seeing like Brad Pitt or something you're still seeing like Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy and mm. you know it's, it's kind of something that Last, they, you know, it's like a yeah. recurring stock. Well, I mean, uh, you, you can't draw a silhouette version of Brad Pitt that people recognise. Yes, you know, but Charlie Chaplin, you just need the hat, and the moustache, maybe the cane. Yeah, you know, the feet sort of. That's true. One side. That's and probably Stan Laurel as well, and Fred Astaire as well. Yeah, you know. Um, so there are a few, you know, types who are rendered iconographically very easily. Mm. Uh, I think Laurel. Um, used to apprentice or uh, understudy for Charlie Chaplin a little bit. I forget the legend, but it's something like he came on the same boat or, you know, they they certainly kind of knew each other from working in the music halls in London. Um, you know, if this wasn't eavesdropping or we're, we're not meant to research anything, we could have looked it up, really. Well, I'm looking it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was a member... Okay, this is just off Wikipedia. Laurel began his career in Music Hall, where he developed a number of st- stunning comic devices. His performances polished his skills at pantomime and Music Hall sketches. He was a member of Fred Carnot's army. That's right. Where he was Charlie Chaplin's understudy. He and Chaplin arrived in the United States on the same ship from uh-huh. the United Kingdom with the Carnot troop. There you go. There you go. So my memory wasn't so bad. No, we've both just both done very well remembering stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's wrap it up, and thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Um, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Excellent. Cheerio. Cheerio.